All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, is Mike McKenna. This is episode number 75 here on Thursday, March 17th. Um, St. Patrick's Day, Apostle to Ireland, the Evangelist to Ireland, um, and my sister's birthday. So first I want to say happy birthday, Faith. Can uh, I, my I... f- stepfather's birthday today. Happy birthday, stepfather. Larry. Um, let me do 30 seconds on St. Patrick before. Okay, you're stealing on. my thunder on this day go in ahead. history, but go, you do yours and I'll uh, fill in any holes. You know, look, in America, unfortunately, this is a drinking holiday, which is ridiculous, and I've always objected to it. Um, I would just point out a couple things, right? St. Patrick was, of course, not Irish. He was the product of a, a Roman father who was a senator and a uh, Britain mother. Um, and he was actually kidnapped by pirates and taken in. Irish marauders. Pirates. Um, marauders. That's a French word. We speak <laughs> English in this country. Um, anyway, went back to Ireland and converted the island of basically savages to um, Christianity and Roman Catholicism, right? And I'm, I'm always, I, I always think about this on St. Patrick's Day. He is the patron saint of a very interesting bunch of um, dioceses across the planet. And let me just give you a quick rundown, right? First off, of course, Ireland. He's patron saint of Ireland. He's a patron saint in Nigeria. Patron saint in New York City, right? The Archdiocese in New York, um, Archdiocese of Newark, Archdiocese of Boston, Archdiocese of Rolla, Missouri. Louisa, Puerto Rico, Melbourne, Australia, the the reach of him gives you some sense of the Irish diaspora, right, on sure. this planet. Um, it is, I, I, I want to, I just want to point that out before everybody goes out and drinks their green beer. And <laughs> the Chicago, the, the river is green today. It, okay, so let is, me fill, is, let me fill the, a couple of holes. May I? This is the worst day for an Irishman. 461, this day in history. Yeah, he probably died so That was the day he yeah, died. You know, when he was born and when he died is a, is a subject yeah. of a lot of historical... But we celebrate the yeah, yeah. the day of his death, not the day of his birth. Um, well, that's because that's the day he became a saint. That's correct. Um, I, in addition to um, converting thousands, if not almost, uh, you know, well, tons and tons of Irish, you know, lots of Irish to the faith, he preached the gospel and converted, uh, I'm sorry, he built a tons, ton of churches as well of course. when he was there. Um, He's the patron saint of engineers, for those of you keeping track of those things. So there's another date in history, 1601, on on March 17th, 1601. You got me. That was the first St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, Whoever came up with that should be shot. It was here in the United States, not in Ireland. 1601? 1601 was the first. Where? In in Florida? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Leave it to the Spanish to screw some up a simple (laughs) St. Patrick's Day. So... um, one other quick thought, two other quick thoughts, right? First off, the reason why it's important is, of course, the Irish are the most important Roman Catholics on the planet. Yeah, that's right? subjective. It's that's not subjective. Subject. It's not. Subjective. Um, if you think about the Reformation, the Irish were the only people who retained their Catholicism when their rulers switched sides, right? Despite the And despite the best efforts of the terrible Anglo-Saxons for the last thousand years, we retain our religion. That's thing one. Thing two, and this is a personal thing, everybody out there with money, pay attention. I've been to St. Peter's and Paul, the Basilica in Rome, on three or four occasions now. There is, There are statues and paintings of every loser saint in, on the planet. You know what there's not in St. Peter's? 
there is not a statue, a plaque, or a painting of St. Patrick. Before I die, we are going to find out what the price tag of that is, and we are going to make that happen. Everyone who wants to join me. Or you can contribute to the American Energy Alliance. You can do both. We can give you that information. Just go ahead. Reach out to us at (laughs) Unregulated at Energy DC. So St. Patrick or AEA, take your pick. Okay. Um, Thank you, Tom. Speaking of Catholicism, my daughter was confirmed last night. Congratulations. In a lovely ceremony. Good. Uh, the bishop that presided over the tri- the third of the sacraments of initiation was a wonderful priest named bishop named Mario Dorsonville. Okay. Great guy. Good. Very good. He he was really is really he a local guy, a Maryland guy. Or? He's like the auxiliary. Yeah, but he has a close personal relationship oh, so, with the Monsignor. So he's an auxiliary in, in the archdiocese. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, um, between us, I think he preferred him to our. How could you not? Yeah. So, but we'll leave it at that. No, I was going to so say. So, congratulations, Atia. I'm proud of you. What was, uh, her, what was her confirmation? Then? One done, Felicity. Nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes. So, okay, two more quick things. This day in history in 1969. The Metso Bedub Spring Training. No, Golda Meir was elected the pre- uh, premier. Pri- premier or prime minister, minister of Israel. First woman, only woman, uh, preside over the yes, Yom Kippur War. Oh, yeah. And resigned three short years later. And then one more that's very relevant today in 1990. 1990, March 17th. Uh, Bill Clinton did something. No, Lithuania rejected the Soviet demand to renounce its declaration of independence. Yeah. And the Soviet Union, uh, when they refused Mikhail Gorbachev, issued economic sanctions and sent Soviet troops to occupy, occupy the capital city. Vilnius? Hmm. Vilnius? Yes, Vilnius. But, but familiar. echoes of what's going on today. You know, it, it, these Catholics, you can't take them anywhere. They're troublemakers <laughs> no matter where you find them, right? So uh, the following year uh, in December, 11 Soviet socialist republics proclaimed their independence, established a commonwealth of independent states. And a few days later, Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as president and the Soviet Union quickly dissolved. So interesting, interesting. Uh, Let's hope it stays dissolved. Contextual for today. Seriously. So, And that uh, leads us to our segue to Ukraine. Yes. Here we are three weeks in. Yes. Uh, President Zelensky addressed Congress begging for a no-fly zone and got $800 million in anti-aircraft weapons and other military equipment instead. Yeah, he didn't get what he actually needed. He didn't, uh, he didn't get the long-range anti-aircraft. He didn't get the anti-ship missiles. There's a bunch of stuff he didn't get. Sorry, were you going off on this? Or no, am I you, going off? This administration, you have the floor. This administration has refused to... Um, impose secondary sanctions on businesses who have dealings in Russia. It's refused to ban and sanction, I'm sorry, sanction oil and gas from Russia. Right? Long story short is they had a really good start on this thing about a month ago, but it's been a straight downhill run for for um, for the Biden administration on this. They, they have been dragged kicking and screaming into everything they've done for the Ukrainians. Um, I get the no-fly zone, but if you're not going to give them that, give them the Polish MiGs. Give them something to defend themselves. This Even the crazy. reporters are turning on them a little bit it's on crazy. the big deal. We're all so, watching the same. We're all watching the same stuff. So I want to play a quick uh, a clip from a BBC correspondent, just to give an update on the shellacking uh, that Ukraine is taking. 
another striking image to come out of a city which has spent two weeks surrounded by Russian forces. Some tentative good news on the theatre. The authorities say that the bomb shelter there, or the cellar that they were in, withstood the bomb blast, and now they are working uh, on sifting through the rubble and getting people out. So clearly, people, some have survived. We'll find out uh, just how many uh, as the morning goes on, but some tentative good news there, alongside the news that 30,000 people were have been evacuated so far. But the situation across that city is becoming more and more bleak with uh, people running low on water, food, medicine. Moscow was accused of shelling a civilian convoy yesterday uh, as they tried to escape the fighting. Five people were injured. So the situation remains incredibly fragile down in the, in the, in the southeastern city. And across the south of Ukraine, we're seeing Russian naval forces increase their activity. They are reportedly shelling uh, the areas around Odessa, a city to the south, although experts don't think they've got enough troops to mount some kind of assault, a sea to land uh, landing, if you if you like, to the south. I mainly played that because I just like that guy's voice. Yeah, it's so. the BBC, right? <laughs> yeah, it just, reporting it just makes from, it sound so much better. Reporting from Kiev, I'm George Logan with the BBC. They all sound very BBC. Anyhow, um, the Beeb. So the latest and greatest, uh, obviously, the shelling continues. Uh, the the end game or supposed end game is uh, apparently Zelensky gives up the the notion of being a member of NATO in exchange for uh, Vladimir Putin pulling back, which may or may not give be able to uh, give Putin some face saving. Um, but it's not going according to him. It's going it's going right according to plan. But I don't I don't get the sense that it's going right according to plan. It's I. I... Any peace plan that leaves the Russian army in control of some of Ukraine is probably a loss. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it precludes... Beyond, I would like them to pull out of Crimea as well, but that's probably, I, you know, wishful thinking. Yeah. But, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've noticed that the the political class has really sort of stepped up a little bit on all this stuff. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. They all have opinions. Sure. They're very strong opinions. Yeah. And it, it just I, it just occurred to me, and I'm still working on this, so it's going to sound a little jarbled, jarbled or garbled or whatever the word is. It dawned on me that I'm convinced that politicians are all about war because that's really the only thing they have absolute or exclusive control over, right? Well, they know nothing about the economy. They don't, they don't know how to manage anything. Uh, but they're the ones who get to to spend all kinds of money to create all kinds of stuff and then send it all over the place well, okay. and then saber rattle and everything else. So it's like the one thing that is exclusive domain to the political class, right, is wars. Yeah, the um, you know James Madison said that war is um, this is a paraphrase, not a direct quote. War is the enemy of liberty, right? Um, he's right. You know, wars a state of war is is almost de facto a state of um, authoritarianism. So, yeah. And what that's probably why we call them wars on everything else. We're at war on poverty, war. We even, uh, we're even guilty calling it a war on, I, I you know, a uh, war on energy or whatever. I, so I'd be okay with it. But here's my principled objection. Um, 
everybody's watching us like it's a TV thing, right? You know, it it's not. People are dying. It's messy. It's terrible. It's tragic. Um, and at the end of it, it's going to be bad. No matter if it ended tomorrow morning, all of it would be bad. We'd still have to build Ukraine, right? Re yeah. Rebuild Ukraine. And the other thing is, is that almost invariably, the people who are hottest to do something um, are people who have never been shot at in their lives. I mean, I don't know how to say this the right way, but, you know, this is this is the president who's never served. The last guy didn't serve. Guy before him didn't last serve. Last guy was not into war. Yeah, but last I mean, guy was, the, was a the business guy is, who hated all that the stuff, The problem right? is, yeah, maybe. Well, I'm making a point here, though. I'm sorry. The point is, all of these guys didn't serve. We have now the lowest number of veterans we've ever had in Congress. We have, a, we have, I think, the longest string of presidents who have never actually seen a shot fired in anger. It's a problem. It's a problem because you now have you know $800 billion a year we spend on defense, and basically it's being directed by people who have never been on the business end of a gun. And that's, um, you know, makes me nervous. Sure. And, you know, and, and, and I think it leads to enthusiasms that it shouldn't lead. And I'll give you a specific example, right? Lindsey Graham, um, you know, came out in favor of assassinating Putin. Yeah. I'm like, that's an incredibly slippery slope to get on. What happens if Putin wakes up tomorrow morning and decides he wants to start assassinating former White House aides? Yeah. Like me. You know, uh, 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 you know he's going to pick soft targets. This is where – this is – it, yeah. This is, is where blurring problem of, with Twitter. Well, this, this is the it's a problem with idiocy. Yeah. This is where the blurring <laughs> of the lines. You know, this is where the blurring of the lines between declared war and undeclared war, between wars that were in and wars that were sort of in, is a real problem. Sure. But you're right about the whole the underlying. The underlying problem is these guys all seem to like it. Yeah. They seem to like it. You know. It it. Nobody wanted to do what yeah. I wanted to do, which put the 82nd Airborne in a month before the Russians invaded. Just put them in Ukraine and say, hey, we're going to have exercises. Just float some vessels over there right. in, the, in the western part of the North Sea. Just say, hey, we're just, you know, yeah. buzzing around, just checking the, checking okay. out the circumstances. You know, I, I didn't, Regardless, I, I just – It's a good insight. I don't think I would have had you, you that and James, same, You and James I, Madison had good insights. I don't think I would have had that uh, insight, you know, earlier in my life. James I think Madison. I would be like – in the Virginian square, you know, yeah, man. let's go, let's, let's go, go kill, somebody. kill somebody mode. And I just, I'm not there anymore. So good for you. Just a moment. I've Congratulations. Um, let's move on. Okay. Ding dong. The Raskin's dead. Oh yeah. The mean old Raskin's dead. Yeah. So, and, and I know exactly why. Let's from the Hill, March 15th, Raskin withdraws Fed chair nomination. Sarah Bloom Raskin, who President Biden nominated to serve as the Federal Reserve Vice Chair of Supervision, withdrew from consideration Tuesday after three moderate senators effectively blocked her path to confirmation. Who says that there isn't that bipartisanship is dead in Washington? <laughs> Susan Collins. Sure. Joe Manchin and our good friend, Senator Lisa Murkowski, yeah, also um, uh, announced I, uh, opposition to her nomination. I think I've said this before. I'll say it again. I love representative government. Um, Senator Murkowski has an election up, and it sharpens the census. Um, and the other thing that cracks me up is on Twitter, I was reading Naomi Oreskes. Oreskes? Oreskes? I think that's how you pronounce it right. Great big giant climate thinker, Al Gore's camp. Um, Greeted the news with a great deal of wailing and gnashing of teeth about how if we can't get this, we can't solve this problem at all. And I'm just like, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably want to think about that for a second, right, ma'am, because right, you right. might be on you might be on the right track. Of course, um, the reason her nomination was tanked was because, in the words of Jane Meyer in her most recent New Yorker prose, Biden's nominee had publicly encouraged measures to mitigate climate change, including a transition to cleaner energy, which triggered a backlash yeah. from America's powerful oil, gas, and coal industries. Are yeah. they powerful? Are they not powerful? Seriously, I, you I just make up your mind. Either, which is e- it? Either they're dying or they're powerful. You can't be both. Relentless attacks Relentless. by special interests uh-huh. who oppose her frank acknowledgement that climate change could pose a threat to economic stability, so on and so forth, etc. I, I agree with all of that. Dark money. It's all. It's got all the same sure, good stuff in the, in the know, article. Like, I will put it in the show notes. Jane, Mrs. Miss Meyer is is. If, is predictable if nothing else, yeah. right? She she writes the same story, changes a couple of nouns, and there you have it. Yeah. It it what 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 I would think about were I on the other side of this conversation. And this is the great thing about being on the other side of this conversation. They are completely without um autopsy capabilities. I would think No, it's always the same. I, I would think, why did we lose? And the answer is we didn't lose because of the great big giant oil and gas guys. We lost because voters don't want this stuff. And you need to convince voters to want this stuff before you can move forward. And I just don't understand this. As 20, we're coming on what, 35 years of this nonsense? And these guys just never seem to learn anything. I'm very grateful for that. But at a certain point, you think some professionalism would creep in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a a letter that um, the nominee penned to her her president thanking him for his um, opportunity. But I wanted to point out a couple of things. This kind of bugged me because she denied under oath before the committee that she would ever think about pursuing a climate agenda at, at the Fed. Okay? She she in, she said under oath. I want to read two excerpts from her Please letter. Please do, yeah. I fear, however, many in and outside the Senate are unwilling to acknowledge the economic complications of climate change and the toll it has placed and will continue to place on Americans. Addressing the transition of the economy as it grapples with the effects of climate change is critical to the future of American prosperity. I stand with the vast majority of financial regulators and central banks in the United States and abroad recognizing these facts. Their point of contention was my frank public discussion of climate change and the economic costs associated with it. It was and is my considered view that the perils of climate change must be added to the list of serious risks that the Federal Reserve considers as it works to ensure the stability and resiliency of our economy and financial system. That doesn't sound like somebody who was planning to not pursue. Yeah, I was going to exactly say, that which she I'm not gonna, I'm not laments gonna, and pledged to pursue. I'm not going to pursue this, except to say I'm going to pursue it. Yeah, I, you know what? Um, the the fundamental problem, and this is again autopsy time for the for the other side. Free advice, worth what you're paying for it. Um, the real problem is not the costs imposed by whatever climate risks risks are out there. The real problem is the risks that are posed by government responses to what they imagine to be climate risks. And um, the other thing that should concern everybody is the Federal Reserve, you know, let me just, let me just 
have a practical conversation about this for 10 seconds. When you weaponize the Federal Reserve, the Office of Comptroller of the Currency, the FDIC, the SEC, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, right, all these guys, when you, re when you weaponize all your, all your financial regulators on an issue, here's the problem. The next guy who comes along can do the exact same is going thing. to do exactly right. the same thing. Not can is going to sure right. And you know, you everyone thinks, well, you know, Trump was an aberration. He's crazy. The Republicans are never going to nominate and elect somebody as aggressive as he is. <laughs> well, he's you certainly first of all, he's the number one contender at the moment. You might want to look at Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott right. and what they're doing, um, Rick Scott. Because those guys are all, if you do this, they're going to be like, all right, I'll play that game. You want to politicize? A friend of mine and I were talking about this about FERC the other day, right? And I said, look, there has been a fairly um, durable train of uh, commissioners at FERC who, want to who have wanted to politicize it for the last 10 or 12 years. I'm like, I think it's a bad idea, but if they want to do it, I'm happy to politicize it. Well, and I mean, I, it's the same way with these financial regulators. If you really their, want this to happen, with their policy we'll statements, they're they're making it absolutely clear like that I they're said, ready to go down that road. You guys want to politicize it? You're going to get politicized. And as a reminder, the policy statements merely make it impossible to build a new pipeline in this country. Or at shut least. up, Tom. They're they're an appropriate response to the climate risk we face. Fed raises rates and signals six more increases by the end of. The year. the year, yeah. The, the only quarter question... point it'll end up at the, if they do what they say they're going to do, it'll um, be about two point five by the end of the year, uh, slightly higher than the pandemic rate. I think it's only going to be one point seven five. Or uh, I'm sorry, you mean the final where we actually want the final yeah, yeah, where yeah, we yeah, end yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, yes, I agree. So um, and I'm in favor of it. Truthfully, it's long overdue. I don't, you know, this transitory inflation stuff they were feeding us last year. Delayed this thing. The other thing that Yellen said, and I don't know if, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here. No, you got Secretary Yellen said, well, we're in for um, 12 months of uncomfortable, her words, not mine, uncomfortable inflation, right? And I'm like, hey, here's some bad news, ma'am. Um, we've already had like 12 months of uncomfortable inflation, and we're probably in the we're probably going to wind up with about 24 more months of uncomfortable inflation, right? So the good news is midterms are going to be dead center of those uncomfortable months. But it was the way she said it, like uncomfortable information. Um, it 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 seems sort of let them eat cake-ish. Well, you know, uncomfortable for Yellen is certainly a different perspective since uh, I can't remember the last time she probably – well, I can't personally remember, but I doubt she's actually shopped at a grocery store in a while. She made a All of us are already paying more for just about everything. And now loans and credit cards are also about to cost more. Before you pull out that credit card today, beware. If you don't pay it off in full, your interest rate is probably about to jump. The Federal Reserve, the nation's central bank, is expected to raise rates by a quarter point today as it tries to throw cold water on runaway inflation. Every time you go and shop, every like a price of something has gone up by so much. It's insane. Every American shopper has seen it firsthand. Clothing up 6.5%, food up 8.5%, electricity up 9%, used cars up 41%, and gasoline up nearly a buck 50 from a year ago. Milk, flour, sugar, um, like cartons of oil, like frying oil, that's been insane. That's like tripled in price. So that's been crazy. The highest inflation in 40 years. But
That was from NBC, not Fox. Just so you know. Need to make sure we clarify those things Thank in you. case I'm that. accused of, you know, just pumping Fox stuff. Um, if, we, if we're going to pump anybody, we pump Newsmax stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got a quick one here for you. I saw it in the, the um, Wall Street Journal today. And, you know, every once in a while, just a regular guy sneaks in, sneaks in and like crystallizes an argument for yeah. you. And you really yeah. realize that you can use a whole lot fewer words to describe yeah. something. This was a letter to the editor from Ryan Graham in Melbourne, Florida. So okay. good old Ryan. The question is not how Californians cope with the consequences of an anti-carbon agenda, but whether California drives the rest of the country into the same ditch. For example, the Biden EPA recently restored California's power to set tighter car emission rules. Auto buyers not living in California will have to buy cars manufactured to meet California's standard. As long as what happens in California stays in California, the state's experiment with premature expulsion of carbon is merely curious. Unfortunately, Sacramento is influential enough, influential enough in Washington to engineer a hostile, hostile takeover of energy policy for the rest of the country. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. That's a, that's a, I mean, there's, there's, there's some off-ramps there that he's missing. But, yeah, generally speaking, he's right. He's right. Um, a couple of things about California real quick um, that have a larger impact, right? Um, everybody's experiencing rising crude oil and natural gas prices. I know they moderated in the last week or so, but they're going to go back up, right? We're going to, we're going to, this, this, this oil at a hundred bucks plus is going to be a, pretty much a feature of the landscape into, into the foreseeable future. Um, the interesting thing is everybody ranging from the French to the Californians to the Biden administration are looking at ways to moderate the increases, right? The Californians have been the most egregious. They have proposed a $400 per person rebate to cope with high gas prices. Now, the great debate about this is, of course, it's California, so they're already paying the highest prices. Right. This $400 rebate is like a breads and circuses thing, right? The other thing that's great about it is, um, is that it's not just for all drivers. Everybody in the state's going to get it. So, like always, like, <laughs> it's just a check. Just right. Just, Here's a check. So, so you've got that. You also have the 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 usual cast of characters calling for a quote windfall profits tax on the oil and gas uh, industry. You know, that's 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 just ridiculous, right? The, Which is basically just a profits tax. Right. I don't know what what how one defines windfall. So 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 I've been I've been I've been watching Twitter a lot and the environmentalists have been going bananas because everyone's like, look, if we can't get people at if we can't get people okay with gas at 4 bucks a gallon, this energy transition is never going to happen. Right. And again, like like, um, Mr. Raskin, I'm like, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. This has been the story we've been telling for about three, four, five months now that as prices go up, political resistance climbs. It is bad enough, right, that California feels a compulsive urge to hand out checks. The other thing that literally just came over the um, wire, I want to read this to you, and it's a totality. You'll, you'll laugh. There's Dateline Paris. It's off Bloomberg, Right. French President Emmanuel Macron says the state needs to take control of some companies in the energy sector as part of a plan to increase the country's independence. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, 
Yeah. Um, he, he said, quote, the state will need to take in hand several aspects of the energy sector. We will need to take capitalistic control of several industry players. Macron did not name any companies. All right. The, what is going on is the entire world is just getting around to the idea this transition is not going to happen. And governments from California to France, Germany, are trying to figure out how do we tell the um, environmentalists that, hey, here's the bad news. You're not getting what you want. The other thing that happened- Well, is the, in part, the, it, in part, but other other actions that are taking place are sending the, the opposite signal. Oh, we sure, still have yeah. Secretary Jenny saying in a, in a forum with- John Podesta, by the way, we have to wean ourselves God off almighty. of fossil fuels. We have the a Swiss company who just doubled down on not investing in oil and gas. And Germany is now, instead of using nuclear power and more LNG, they're going to save the planet by in, installing heat, heat pumps, pumps everywhere, heat right? Pumps. So, and, and just announced that they're going to ban the ice, ice vehicles by certain dates. That, like, yeah, so, 2035. Well, let me so just it, let me, yes and no. Let I mean, me, I let think me stop you're right, right but I also let think me stop you know, they're right still there. trying to like, I know. Let me stop you, know, you right there. It out, so. There's a difference between what they're saying and what they're doing. And eventually what they're doing is going to wind up being what they're saying, right? It's just a question of how they're going to get to it. Um, the other thing that was interesting was BP put out a little um, – a little energy futures peak where they had a quote new momentum model, <laughs> um, which showed that natural gas use instead of declining was going to increase essentially double over the next 10, 15 years. And I'm just like, new momentum. See, the propagandists inside these companies haven't quite figured out how to do this yet yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. But we are all stumbling towards this this transition. It is, is, turn, is purely turn, turn, uh, turn. Producer, find that song, turn, turn, turn for us. And send it to BP. All right. So um, uh, back to the windfall profits tax uh, really quickly. When this guy agrees with us, you know they've got a problem selling this deal. Moving before, thanks. And Lon joining us now to talk about this new uh, tax idea for the oil majors as well as the inflation crunch. Austin Goolsby, former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Obama and a professor at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. And Tyler Goodspeed, former acting chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Trump and now a fellow at the Hoover Institute. So I'll let you guys uh, hash it out. But I, I, knowing you, Austin, and you know, you know, I love you and uh, <laughs> You are a Democrat, but you're a trained economist. <laughs> you mu I can't imagine you think this is a good you idea. You are a trained a seal. As a trained economist, do, do, are you in favor of a windfall profits tax on, on big oil, Austin? I, I'm not, I'm not a, a big fan. Of, I don't see what that's going to solve. I think there's a high chance that the way they described it in the in that segment that it would lead oil prices or gas prices to go up. I think if you're doing something to try to get political credit, it's worth remembering in the year 2021, we had a massive rescue package, which gave a tax cut of almost $4,000 to the average family, which exceeded the amount that prices went up by inflation. But it's not like anybody got political credit for giving a rebate that exceeded the amount that inflation was. So I think it just as a political matter, that doesn't strike me as that is going to be a very big political boon to, okay. to anybody that did. Look, Tyler, before I yeah. okay, he went on to talk about the accelerated well, inflation and and weakening U.S. energy security. He's a trained. So I'm he's not a trained overly worried so. about this proposal 
I, but I am annoyed because it's like I've been doing this for 30 years, and every time prices tick up to an uncomfortable level for a politician, the windfall profits tax drumbeat goes, um, marches, and and this is the other little doozy that they always love to point to. We blame Biden for rising gas prices, and it goes on to explain why gas prices are so high. Washington Post op-ed by, uh, by um, Dana Milbank. Opinion, Biden heated Republicans plea to ban Russian oil. They pounced. And it goes on to talk about why <laughs> it's not. Don't let anybody tell you anything you did supporting the idea that we block Russian oil coming into the country, which is good. And I said at the time, prices are going to go up for gasoline. It wasn't anything we did. And by the way, you're in a situation right now where if you take a look, the idea, can we uh, uh, pump more oil? There are now uh, uh, now five. There are 172 gas and oil rigs running. Now we have there are 519 in operation before this all began. But guess what? They have over 7,000 permits to dig oil if they want. Why aren't they out pumping oil? Why aren't they out pumping oil? Because they've said and they're very clear. Wall Street bankers have made it. Okay. That's the other one, the permits, and they're not pumping, right? They could be doing all that. And then and the last one, of course, is is the um the price of oil is now down, but the yeah. price of gas isn't down. Yeah. And you know, White House sent out a tweet on it, uh, skewed skewed the graphs and everything else, right? This is the this is the same, you know, deal that they they pump out every time. The same nonsense. And and we everybody knows in the industry. And in, who understands the market that the folks at the gas stations, who are mostly independent, are just basically trying to recover the cost of the oil that they already bought, the gasoline that they already Everybody. bought. Yeah, it's yeah. replacement cost, so it goes down slower. But it's it's the same it's the same garbage from these guys every single time. It's you know the the um, the permits and the this and the that and you know it it what the president doesn't understand is. And what his team doesn't seem to understand, which is besides grammar, which is weird because, you know, they've, they've all been there for a million years. They um, they don't understand it doesn't matter. Right. They're trying to blame Putin for inflation or gas prices, the oil companies, the this, the that, the other thing. What they don't understand is when you're the president, you're going to take the blame. You take the you take the credit for good stuff, you take the blame for bad stuff, and it doesn't matter. I, I wrote this in my monthly note. Um I said, look, this is not the Senate. This is not the United States Senate. You're the president. You're going to take the hit. Just get over it. Take it like a man. Move on. Yeah. It, 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 um, it, it mystifies me that, that you have veterans who of the White House who don't understand that, right? The other thing that strikes me about it is the Obama guys must really hate the Biden guys. Because this Goolsby thing, this is like the fourth or fifth well, time his, his economic team. To be fair, team. The, most of the Biden guys are, are former Obama Yeah, guys. yeah, but the they're ones just, who aren't. They're just the hard, like, more hardened you versions think about, of You think about who on the, who on the right. Obama economics. Larry economic Summers. Team. Larry Summers right, did it. Right, Goolsby right, did right, it. Right, and right. Steve Ratner did it. Right. I'm just like, they must really not like these well, guys. Well, here's what I think is I think that they got eight, they got, they got as much as they could get in their eight years there with the political climate the way that it was. Yeah. And they're using the cover of these progressive crazies to try to get the rest of it, which is politically untenable, which they're finding out every single day you know, that it's politically untenable. It, 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 right. It's, it's 
So anyway, it's fun to watch. Everybody it, it, knows. One, one last thought before you go to everybody knows. The president is just getting increasingly incomprehensible. Yeah. I'm not sure about his mental capacity. I'm not a I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, so I won't speak to that. But just his everyday speech is getting less and less comprehensible. At this rate, in about a year, he's just going to be babbling. Yeah. All right. Here's one more. Of course, uh, this has been the jag that they've been on for uh, the past week or so. I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a second one, right? Oh, please. The big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. Yeah. 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 It, it, Putin! And, of course, if the government spends money, it doesn't cause inflation. Ah, boy. So, you know, Larry, first off, Larry Summers, right about this, right? Second, and I can make this as easy as I can possibly make it. There has been no value creation in this economy for three years. And yet, we have added at least $10 trillion to the money supply. We have devalued the currency. Now, I'm just a simple country boy. But at school, they taught me devaluing the currency and inflation, same, same. And I mean, I didn't go to, I didn't go to Delaware <laughs> like Joe Biden did. Well, he went to like eight universities and got like Sigma, Cum Laude. He got a law degree. Remember, he's fabricated. He graduated in the middle of his class in law school. He graduated in the middle of his class in Syracuse, for the love of God. Again, Joe, the uh, you know, poser. And back to my original point. Hey, it's Putin's fault. It's the American people's fault because they're not smart enough to understand. It's this fault. It's that fault. I'm just like, guys, literally none of this matters. You're going to take the blame. Fix it. Stop fooling around and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one more on inflation. Yay. Epic times, right? Epoch. 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 I'm never exactly. Epoch, I think. Producer. Epoch. Epoch. Is it Epoch? Let's go with Epoch. Like Tupac? It's like Tupac. So the Epoch times... Carbon tax raises inflation by around a half a point, Bank of Canada governor says. <laughs> Just in case anyone in the conservative climate carbon tax community wanted to like throw in another effort oh, 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 here. I gotta, I gotta, the federal I... government's carbon tax is adding nearly a half a percentage point of inflation, says Bank of Canada governor Tiff Macklem. Macklem testified before the House Finance Committee on March 3rd where he was asked by conservative MP Phil Lawrence what the impact had on the rate. He didn't have that number, but provided a written reply uh, in a letter dated March 11. I committed to reply to the question of the impact of, car of the carbon pollution charge. Not, not, not a carbon tax. On the rate of inflation. So. It, it, um, so a reporter a reporter was talking to me about this weaponization of financial regulation earlier. And uh, he asked me, he wound up asking me, like, look, you know, how can you guys stand this when the public is, you know, starting to work against you and all this other stuff? I'm like, guys, here's the thing. This is why the windfall of profits tax is going to fail too, right? Um, if we were losing, if we were losing the global warming debate, if we were losing the energy transition debate, if we were losing the windfall of profits debate, if we we're losing any of these debates, we'd have something on the floor right now. 
We would have we, something we, on the floor right how now. How many years have we been saying let's I'm like, vote? Exactly. Even, even in not even in these let's circumstances, vote. Let's even vote. in like momentum circumstances, we we we've been let's asking vote. for a vote. Let's, let's freaking vote, right? And I told the reporter that he kind of, oh, he's just like, well, you know, that's one metric. I'm like, right, representative government <laughs> is one metric. In this case, it's the relevant metric. It, it was anyway. I, I mentioned it out of out of. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. What do you got? Um, just a couple of quick hits from President Biden's week. Yep. The former Governor Jennifer Granholm, the Energy Department. I often kid her, and I wasn't kidding early on when I was seeking the nomination. Had she been born in America, she'd be standing here, and I'd be sitting there. She was a former governor of the state of uh, oh, no. Michigan. Michigan, wrong. She was a former state. She, she was a governor. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he had it right. He had it right. He downed himself. Uh, hey, here's one more quick one. But there's been a little change in the arrangement of who's on the stage because of the first lady's husband uh, contracting COVID. But, uh, <laughs> the who? Roman, what you see. That's right. She's fine. The second lady, the first gentleman. There we go. It's she's fine. It's me that's not together. And like I said, I have no, I have no, I have no ability to judge his mental capacity. But speaking wise, he's just starting to gibber. Okay, and I have one more, and then I'll turn it over to you, sir, to close it up. Okay. The um, president also bragged about, in the midst of everything going on, he bragged about the Hunter Biden Act. The, oh, yeah. So we established a new civil rights, a new civil rights cause of action for those whose human images were shared on the public screen. How many times have you heard, I'll bet everybody knows somebody somewhere along the line, that in an intimate relationship, what happened was the guy takes a revealing picture of his naked friend or whatever in a compromising position, and then literally in a sense blackmails him or, or mortifies that person. Send it out, put it online. Yeah, I... How many gets I I you know the, I read that earlier. That's the first time I've heard it. I just everybody knows a guy I, who I'm took naked by pictures that. of it, their friend okay, or whatever. All, all kidding aside, <laughs> in a compromising position. That, that's the president of the United States saying that. Like, hey, everybody knows guys who have committed felonies. You know, it's it doesn't everybody. And I'm like, I, it, words fail me. He, yeah, he's he's the Hunter Biden Act. Ladies the, and gentlemen. The, he's just a, a just non. Just not President Biden. Yeah, naked pictures. It's or, and or whatever. I, you know the and of course whatever. It, what do you say? Yeah. What do you got? Uh, just one thing, right? Um, I, th I think, and I'll be quick, right? Uh, everybody's busy congratulating themselves on Ukraine, right? It's a big concern, right? The Chinese are watching this. The communist Chinese are watching this. And if you're the communist Chinese, here's what you're concluding. The Americans are never going to do anything provocative to a state that possesses nuclear weapons, right? No matter what. 
So if the Chinese cross into Taiwan, we're going to do nothing. We're going to maybe sell the, the Taiwanese some, um, some weapons, but we're going to have a hell of a time getting to them, right? Because the Chinese Navy is going to flood the strait, right? Um, the other thing is sanctions don't work. They just don't over time, right? There's leakage. Workarounds. Look, look at the Russians, right? They're, right. Already, they're already leaking through India and China, and they will eventually start leaking through Iran and other places, Turkey probably. Um, Chinese are looking at all this, and they have to be concluding that we're not serious. Were I the Taiwanese, I would start building my anti-ship missile and my, anti, my long-range anti-aircraft missile um, inventory immediately. And I would start thinking very seriously about, um, about what I'm going to need to survive a conflict with the mainland. Um, it's not – like I said, everybody's been super congratulatory. But if you look at what's actually happened in Ukraine, they've had to beg for everything that they've been given. And they haven't been given what they really need, which is some capacity to shoot down Russian okay, airplanes. Okay, just let's dial it back because the very beginning of this, um, they offered him – a flight out. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah, and he said, no thanks. I don't like, need, I okay, need ammunition. Like, okay, this is the script, guy. You're yeah. supposed to leave so that Putin can put in a puppet government. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll re- take we'll, care of you. We'll take care of you. We'll keep, the, we'll keep the bloodshed of civilians in Ukraine to a minimum. That's the script. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't play the script. Now, the Ukrainians, to their credit, have been remarkable at, like we said, they've won the propaganda war, they've right? Won the they propaganda have won war. the propaganda war. And they're, and they're doing pretty good on the ground. And they are legitimately, I think, making a turn here. Like they're Ukrainian. They don't want to be Russian, you know. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very pleased to see that nationalism is the thing now. Right. I'd like so, to see more of it here. So, yeah. I mean, we were in a lot of ways, we were sort of like, okay, let's just wink and nod and get this over sure. with. Yeah. And they've been playing catch up ever since. That's right. And they can't get out of it now because the Ukrainians have inspired a lot of stuff. So this is going to rattle the whole, the whole, the whole yeah. deal, like the whole stage, right? The yeah, EU, so. everything else. Well, the EU. But I agree with you one hundred percent. China is watching all of this and just using it as research. Yeah, they're, right? they're, like, they're how are we going to manage this? Yeah, and and I will say, just winging all the way back to to your you know riff about all the different things that folks are doing to subsidize energy. Yeah, they get out of the the market will take care of it. No, I mean Harold Hamm wrote a letter to or, the Wall Street Journal yeah, that, said, that said, "Just get out just of the get way." Get out of the way, and the the price signals get out of the, get out of the way. The price signals will stabilize, the the price accrued, and we'll get back to some well, normalcy. I mean, what the, we what we need is the government to get up and say at some point, "Hey, this net zero thing is a fantasy." Yeah, it's not going to happen. They're never going to do that. Not going to happen. I, right? I, they can't because well, they, well so, as you, anyway, we went full circle. As to you the as you thing. have pointed out, this is the American Energy Alliance, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to get a, a dose of energy every now and then sometimes a lethal dose um it (laughs) as you have pointed out right um as you have pointed out the american left is um funded by the environmental movement right so they're not gonna bought and paid for yeah they're not gonna say anything but but i I worry about the i worry about what lessons communist china is drawing i worry especially that the eu is um being the eu right they're much more interested in keeping the energy flowing than in preventing um ukrainian blood from flowing of course. They just are. Of course. You know, to, to this day, the Germans are um, bankrolling essentially the invasion of Ukraine because they refuse to stop purchasing oil and gas yeah, from right. Russia. I mean, they don't really have a choice. That's the that's part of the the, the in advance. The, in the right? in the in the contest for who's going to control Middle Europe, the Germans or the Russians, 
I'm not sure whose side we should be on because I'm having trouble figuring Ooh, out who's you're gonna, that's going to that's going to ripple across podcast land as pro Putin, baby. I'm not pro Putin. I do not. <laughs> I, I despise the Russians. Um, I know. I know. And, I just, and I, but I'm getting but this the, is the the thing, right? If you say anything contra- like I, even remotely, the Germans like, are funding Putin for God's sake. If the Germans would stop funding him, maybe you could think about them as different. But essentially, they're the same. They're just his financiers at this point. Yeah. Is that better? Anybody it's, feel better about that? It's all that? good, my friend. It's all good. It it the only people with any validity in Europe as far as I'm concerned on these topics, the Poles, the Czechs, the Hungarians, the and Lithuanians, Ukrainians. Ukrainians, um, and the British. Yep. Every, everybody else, pretty suspect as far as that goes. All right. Uh well, I don't have anything else other than to wish uh everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day. And I do take issue with your, uh, you know, putting the Irish above everybody else. But that's cool. We can get over that. And I I, I close with. Wait a minute. You can't close yet. I want to wish everybody a happy St. Joseph's Day, of course, on the 19th, which we do not celebrate in this country, but we probably should. I agree with you on that. Sorry. Now you may close. I will close with the vice president of the United States. Okay. But that is our task. Our task is to show people that in many ways they got what they ordered. Right? They said this is what they wanted. (laughs) It's a huge outcry for inflation. They stood in line. They took time from work. It was difficult. And a lot of what they demanded, they got. And so let's get out there as we do and remind them of that. That is, that is every a, day. And by the way, they're sending her to barnstorm the United States with this message. That is, so that is a campaign ad ready, ready to go. Just let just, the slaughter <laughs> begin. Peace out, everybody. Namaste. Peace. Peace.